What you have just seen is a dramatic illustration of what we're going to look at today in Romans chapter 4. That we are justified by faith alone. We'll turn to Romans 4, and uh, we're going to go through verse 12 today, but starting out, let's just read verses 1 through 8. What then shall we say that Abraham our father has found according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now, to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. Just as David also describes the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from the works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose deeds are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. As we uh, continued to study in this passage as uh, we began in Romans 3, the topic of justification by faith, uh, it's Paul's continued theme throughout the whole chapter of uh, Romans 4 as well. And uh, first of all, we want to consider what Abraham found. As uh, Paul himself asked us, what, what has Abraham found? Well, why bring up Abraham as an example? Why is Paul referring all the way back to Abraham? There are a number of good reasons that come out during the, the flow of the text here. But you have to realize how significant Abraham was to the spiritual life of the Jewish religion, how so much hinged on Abraham, the, the founder of uh, their religion, even, even more so than Moses, because Moses came years later with the law and the uh, old covenant, but Abraham was first, and uh, it was through him that God would raise up Isaac, uh, who would become, uh, whose son Jacob would become Israel and the 12 tribes. So Abraham was often looked back to as an example. In fact, some of the um, apocryphal writings said that Abraham was without sin. Uh, Now, of course, they went too far in that. Abraham was a good guy, but he was certainly not without sin. And any any, uh, close reading of Genesis 12 through uh, 22 would, would show you a number of times that he did. But still, Abraham was like a hero of the faith. In fact... You can imagine back at this time, the Jews going around with bracelets that said, WWAD. What would Abraham do? That's how much they looked up to him. And so Paul, understanding that, brings Abraham up as an example, and he's going to show through the example of Abraham how his very point of justification by faith alone is established. Well, what did Abraham find according to the flesh? 
If he had been justified by works, Paul says in verse 2, he, he would have had a reason to boast before men, but not before God. That is, in the presence of God, Abraham could not boast anything. He couldn't hold up any example of good works or righteous life to God. Maybe compared to other men, yes, but not to God. Abraham's testimony is rather something different in verse 3. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. The believing in God is what was accounted to him for righteousness. Let's go back to that passage in, uh, in Genesis chapter 15. Genesis 12, God had called Abraham out of Ur of the Chaldeans in Mesopotamia to come to the promised land in, in Canaan. It took him 15 years to get there because he, uh, he stopped in Haran along the way and, uh, until his father died, stayed there. But he eventually got to the promised land. And here he is, by this time, an old man, uh, childless, and no heir. And God had said in Genesis 12 that your descendants will be like the descendants of the sea and through you all the, all the nations of the world would be blessed. Genesis 15, 1, After these things the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me seeing I go childless and my and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. That is, Abraham is saying in his, his old age, what are you going to give me now that's going to be worth anything? By the way, Abraham was already wealthy by this time. God had blessed him so much between Genesis 12 and 14. And it's, he's saying, like, what does anything else matter? I, I'm going to die soon and leave my goods to a servant who was born in my tent. I don't even have an heir. Uh, verse 3, the neighbor said, Look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, the one, This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, Look now to heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. Now here's an old guy without even one son. God brings him outside. Look at all the stars. And you can be assured it was a cloudless night. Billions of stars visible. You couldn't even count all of them. And God says, see how many there are? That's how many descendants you're going to have. An impossible thing. But verse 6, And he believed in the Lord, and he accounted it to him for righteousness. 
This is the first time the word believe is used in the Bible. And it's connected with righteousness. Abraham believed in the Lord. He had faith in what God said. And we'll see last, uh, next week uh, more about this story. But for now, he, he just believed, God, you are able to do this. I know you can. I believe it. And God said, because you believe in me, I'm going to count you as righteous. So it's by faith that righteousness was accounted to him. Now, let's go back to Romans chapter 4. So that's what Abraham found. Now we continue on with um, what Paul says here, verses 4 and 5, that works are compared to faith. Now, to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, as a gift, as a grace gift, but as of a debt. So we have, first of all, like works compared to faith, we have debt compared to grace. Uh, So to him who works, the wages are not seen as being of grace. Like I said a couple weeks ago, if you, uh, you're working for an employer and you work so many hours for them and they've agreed to pay you X amount of money, let's say for this time period you're going to get $1,000. And so the time comes for your paid and you get that $1,000, you don't think, well, gee, how nice it was for you to just give me this, right? You know, you worked for it. You deserved it. You Uh, uh, it belongs to you you earned it so that's your wages is is, uh, a debt that the employer owes you it's not grace but what at the same time your employer is giving you this check for a thousand dollars and he sees some some bum walking down the road kind of like we had one up on the stage here a minute ago and I'm not referring to myself I mean (laughs) in the drama and, and, uh, and your employer just feels sorry for him and says here I'm going to give you a check for a thousand dollars too and he didn't do a bit of work he just gives him the money that's grace it's, it's not earned at all and you'll probably be thinking as those people in the one of Jesus' parables Why are you giving him all this money when I had to work for it? But that's grace. God gives us what we could never earn. It's of grace. So debt compared to to grace. Like wages compared to faith. Verse 5. But to him who does not work but believes on him who justifies the ungodly his faith is accounted for righteousness now I think it will help us to understand what Paul is meaning here by the word work this is not just generically doing good works 
But the idea in this whole passage of Romans from chapter 3, verse 20 through the end of chapter 4, the, the idea of works is to work for righteousness, to work to achieve righteousness or to be justified. Remember how we saw a couple weeks ago that it is how is a person justified before God? How can a person be declared righteous before God? And it's either by faith or by works. And so that's what he means by the word works here, working to achieve righteousness. So if you will, let's, let's go back and look at verses four and five and, and even verse six, uh, inserting that idea into the word work. So we get the, the full idea of what Paul is, is saying here in, in this context. Verse four, now to him who works to achieve righteousness, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. But to him who does not work to achieve righteousness, but rather believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted to him for righteousness. Just as David also declares the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from him working for righteousness. You see how that makes more sense when you look at it that way. You understand that Paul is talking about how is a person justified? Do they work for the righteousness or do they believe God who justifies the ungodly for the righteousness? There's a, we need to make a careful distinction between um, justification, which is being declared righteous, and sanctification, which follows that, which is the process of becoming righteous, where God works in us, and we yield ourselves to God to this process of becoming like Christ, that's sanctification, and then finally glorification, which is being righteous and one day in glory we will be like Christ will be righteous so the first step is being saved that's justification God declares us righteous based on faith alone but then having been born again we enter into a life of faithful living for him which is sanctification. God continues the good work he has started in us until the day of Christ when we will be glorified. That's glorification. So what we're talking about in this section is justification, uh, being declared righteous by God. So works don't work is what Paul is saying. In terms of being declared righteous, works don't work. None of that matters. No amount of good works that you have done matters. They're all stained. Even your righteous acts are like filthy rags. But the worst things that you have done, even if you, like Paul, would consider yourself the chief of sinners, none of that matters. Because grace covers it all. Works don't work. No, no one is so bad as to be beyond the reach of grace. 
And no one is so good as to to be beyond the need of grace. So faith is what works. Verse five, but to him who does not work for righteousness, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. Uh, years ago I read this, this book which I would highly recommend from John MacArthur called Faith Works and it's a, a double meaning in this first of all uh, faith works where works don't work faith is operative faith has the power believing in Christ he gives us his righteousness faith works but also when you come to faith, then faith works out in your life. The reformers struggled with this idea and how to, to word it. Um, uh, as they would say, justification comes by faith alone, but that, but that faith is not without works. It's faith alone, but not alone without works. And they use this illustration of, it's like lightning strikes alone, but it is not a lightning without thunder. So the thunder doesn't come from the lightning, the lightning comes and then the thunder. But it's the lightning alone that strikes, and then you hear the thunder. And it's the justification by faith alone by which a person is declared righteous and then the thunder then the life of a believer follows from that it works verse 5 says for the ungodly um, for him who does not work for righteousness but believes on him who justifies the ungodly person has to realize that they are Unrighteous, that they are ungodly to realize that they have this, uh, this particular need in their life to be saved. Listen to this uh, story from Jesus in, in Luke 18. He spoke a parable to, the, to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Here's a parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. But the tax collector Standing afar off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. So faith works for the ungodly. For those who understand that they are spiritually poor in poverty. 
that they cannot work themselves out of the situation they're in. God justifies the ungodly and his faith, the ungodly person's faith is accounted for righteousness. Now remember what Paul had just said two verses before, verse three. What does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. So what Paul is saying here is that Abraham, your hero of the faith, was ungodly. He was declared righteous. Not because he deserved it in any way, but he believed God and he was declared righteous. Abraham was ungodly as Paul himself says, I was a chief of sinners, ungodly, yet God showed his mercy to me. We are ungodly in ourselves. And we need the work of Christ in our lives. It works for those who believe on him. Faith is not just generic faith, just kind of believing, but believing on him who justifies the ungodly. Chapter 3, verse 23 for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. As we remember, we looked at that a couple weeks ago. We are all ungodly in our natural state. But, verse 24, being justified, that is declared righteous, freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a sacrificial payment to demonstrate his righteousness. Because of his forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. He is the justifier. He's the one who accounts for righteous those who have faith in Jesus. Now Paul goes on to what did David find? What was David's experience in verse 6 through 8? Uh, and verse 7 and 8, by the way, are taken from Psalm 32. Just as David also describes the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. Blessed is the one to whom God imputes righteousness apart from his working for the righteousness. To impute righteousness um, and that's translated various ways, uh, count it to someone or charge it to their account or something like that, um, and all those kind of work. Although I like this, uh, imputes righteousness better. But the word imputes means to charge to someone's account. It's, it's like a checking account. You have credits in your checking account. That means deposits into your account you know this is on the plus side of the ledger 
This is, this is the money you have coming in. Someone gives you a gift and you deposit it. That's to the plus. That's a credit on your, your check register. That's good, right? To God, God counts to their, uh, charges to their account righteousness. And so it's, it's like you have a checkbook. By the way, wouldn't you want to know how to get one of those checkbooks? Um, and, and you write in there, that, that's, a, that's a deposit, righteousness into my account. Well, how much righteousness? It's not my own righteousness, is it? Whose righteousness is it? God's righteousness that Jesus displayed and gave, earned the right to give to me on the cross. How righteous is that? It will, it will never end. There's no end to it, just like there's no end to His grace. So blessed is the one to whom God charges to His account righteousness, right? Righteousness over this person. Verse 7, blessed are those who lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. That, that would be debits to your account. That would be taking away from what you have. God counts righteousness to you, but he doesn't count sin against you. Why? Because it's been covered in righteousness already. The one who believes in Jesus has the righteousness of God over him and all his sins are covered. That is the grace of God. Now, the next thing that uh, Paul says about justification by faith is that faith comes before works. And we'll end with verses 9 through 12 today. It's a matter of, of timing, of how did this work with Abraham? Having brought up Abraham, how he's justified by faith, how does this work if he is a model? Verse 9, does this blessedness then come upon the circumcised only or upon the uncircumcised also? For we say that Faith was accounted to Abraham for righteousness. How then was it accounted? While he was circumcised or uncircumcised? Not while circumcised, but while uncircumcised. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith which he had while still uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all those who believe, though they are uncircumcised, that righteousness might be imputed to them also. And the father of circumcision to those who not only are of the circumcision, but who also walk in the steps of faith, which our father Abraham had while still uncircumcised. So faith comes before works. In verse 9 and 10, Paul is asking this question, just when was it that Abraham became, de de was declared righteous? And what state was he in? Was it when he was circumcised or uncircumcised? 
he was still uncircumcised. In, in fact, in Genesis 15, that passage we read earlier, is 15 years before. That occurs 15 years before Abraham becomes circumcised. So it's not even close to the time. Uh, Abraham was justified before he was circumcised. Abraham was basically, at the time of his circumcision, or before that time, he was basically an uncircumcised Gentile. Think about it. He, he was not a Jew because Jews came from him later on through his grandson, Jacob. Uh, so he was a Gentile and he was not circumcised. So here's this, the hero of, their, the hero of your faith, guys, is a, was an uncircumcised Gentile. What do you think of that? That must have really struck a blow to these proud Pharisees and Judaizers who were saying, you, you have to be circumcised and follow the rules of Moses to be a believer. Paul is saying, therefore, circumcision is not a requirement for a relationship with God. Circumcision is not a requirement for righteousness. <laughs> Nor, nor is any other kind of uh, religious rite or tradition. And in verses 11 and 12, he says that he's, he received the, the sign of circumcision many years later, the seal of righteousness of faith, of righteous, uh, which he had while still uncircumcised that he might be the father of all who believe. Though they are, are uncircumcised, that, that righteousness might be imputed to them also. So it doesn't matter whether they're circumcised or not, it's do they believe? So if they're uncircumcised, but they believe in the same God, it's accounted to them for righteousness. In verse 12, Paul says, and to those who are circumcised, if they also believe and walk in the faithful steps of Abraham. So it's to the uncircumcised if they believe and to the circumcised if they believe. So the condition which is the same for any kind of pe person is belief in the one who justifies the ungodly who will then walk in the steps, footsteps of faith. Now, just in closing, uh, verse 6 again. Just as David also describes the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness, counts righteousness to his account apart from works. How blessed is that person! If you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, that's talking about you. How blessed you are that God does not count your sins against you. You know your sins in the, in the blackness of your own heart. You know things about you that you wouldn't want anyone else to know. 
and how blessed are you that God still would forgive you. That he would give this gift of righteousness to his son. But the giving of that gift was costly beyond all knowing. The giving of the gift to enable you to be blessed and forgiven was the death of his son on the cross. We are going to celebrate communion today and I'd like those who are serving to come forward at this time. If you you are counted among those who are blessed, that is you have been justified by faith, then rejoice. And we are going to partake of this symbol of the, the body and blood of Christ in remembrance of what it took for us to be so blessed. If, if you are not sure that you have a relationship with God, that you, are, you don't know that you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, we ask that you not partake of communion. Or if there's something in your heart that you need to get right with someone else or maybe even God that's bothering you, then don't partake of it. But if you are rejoicing in your Lord this morning and in the gift that he has given in his son, let's partake together in remembrance of him. Paul wrote, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And now we are going to take bread. Gentlemen. Gentlemen.